tell you. If I had a son and he turned out to be a punk rocker, you know what I'd do? Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. Welcome to Records and Bands. I'm Rob. Jamie's here. Leon's here. And here is your cold open question of the week. Other than the subject of today's podcast, who is the greatest songwriter to step out from behind the drum kit? Phil Collins. Is the right answer. Stole my answer again. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) You said that after I said it was the right answer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Any other contenders to the crown? I thought maybe Don Henley. Yeah, Don Henley's a good shout, yeah. You're looking blank, Jay. Don Henley from the Eagles. Oh, yeah, I know who Don Henley is. I'm just trying to think of... And then, like, did... Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Leon? Karen Carpenter. Very good. Yeah, see, I just... Karen Carpenter, good answer. Think I know, like, didn't Cozy Powell have some solo albums? Surely, like, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, one of those played drums and or sung or played guitar, whatever. I think they were all, like, multi-instrumentalists, weren't mm. they? I don't know. I Because, like... Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, none of them played the drums, did they? No. They were all uh, front of house, weren't they? Yeah. Hmm. So, go on. What else you got? Ringo Starr, of course. Of course. Of course. So, obviously, I was only asking that because today we're discussing the sophomore album from those pesky Foo Fighters, The Colour and the Shape. Produced by Gil Norton, the album was released in 1997. Three singles... Monkey Wrench, Everlong, and My Hero peaked in the top 10 in the US. The album made number 40 in the US album charts and number 3 in the UK, and it was nominated for Best Rock Album at the 1998 Grammy Awards. It was the first Foo Fighters album recorded as a full band, although drummer William Goldsmith left the group after Dave Grohl re-recorded all the drums from earlier sessions, which obviously opened up the spot for the late Taylor Hawkins uh, to fill the seat later on. A little bit of trivia for you now as well. So if the singles were My Hero, Monkey Wrench and Everlong, can anyone tell me which film used Walking After You on its soundtrack? No. No? It was the... Go on. I was going to say, is there a clue? I want to believe there might be a clue. Something to do with Christmas? The X-Files movie. Really? Yes. Bloody hell. <laughs> okay. And one, one more piece of, one more question for you. I'm going to ask Jamie this first, okay? So an instrumental arrangement of Everlong was played as which couple tied the knot in 2001? Do I get a clue? You, you can... Have, have a guess or you can consult a friend i wouldn't even know where to begin to guess to be honest okay any ideas leon did she sing a version no of aladdin to the the guy i don't know who are you thinking i was thinking it was uh peter andre and katie price no no <laughs> it was monica and chanda in friends in the one where monica and chanda get married so there you go. Oh, I hate Triple Pursuit. <laughs> so for me, this is like the great Foo Fighters album. It sets up all that comes after, but it's also kind of like the last one that feels like an alternative or grungy feeling record before it all becomes 
stadium rock. But there's stuff all the way across the album that, for me, would define the Foo Fighters sound as we now know it. So, um, Jamie, you kind of said, oh, well, I, I fancy uh, picking that one to talk about. So how does it fit into your record collection? And again, as you're the youngest, was it something you were aware of as a kid? Because you had been quite young then. And is it something that you've gone back to after hearing like the later Foo Fighters stuff? Yeah, I think it would have definitely been something I went back to. Was there... The follow-up album after this was did that have um, "Learn to Fly" on it? Learn to yeah yeah. So yeah. "Learn to Fly" probably would have been my entry point to Foo Fighters. So I think that was ninety-nine, maybe two thousand. Yeah. In terms of actually sitting and watching MTV or whatever, it would have been on, and realizing that, well, that's who makes this song type of thing, and then putting the pieces together, and then going back mm-hmm. and, and looking into. The Foo Fighters, because then the later on, later albums, which it was around probably around about 2005, something like that. Again, would have spent a lot of time sat in the music room at school trying to play them songs. Um, at Best of You is one that we used to play. So was that, would that have been like In Your Honour or something, was it? Yes, I think it was. So then I would have gone back and, and listened to Foo Fighters from there. So I thought, yeah, I'll give that one a go. I've definitely listened to it quite a lot, but not recently. So then... In the past week, I have. <laughs> so um, that's kind of... I didn't realise it was 97, to be honest. I thought it was a bit more recent than that. So did I. I thought it was 98. I said it on the podcast the other day, and I got it wrong. So it's actually 26 years old this this year and not 25. Um, Leon, this isn't your wheelhouse at all, is it? But I'm sure you would have been aware of the Foo Fighters back in the days, and you were telling me the other day how you do play some Foo Fighters in your set with a band. It's not in my wheelhouse, although it is rock. There are songs that I really like on it, and we do play... It's gone again. What is it? Times Like These. Times Like These. Yeah, I keep forgetting. But yeah, Times Like These, we play that in the band, do a pretty banging version of it. And I think the Foo Fighters have written some really, really great tracks. Yeah, the the proper stadium anthem, some of their stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So I asked the Twitterverse for what they thought the best songs were on the album. So Joe from Hallmark of Greatness says Everlong is very special for him and his wife, but the opening to My Hero makes him want to violently need bread. So there we go. Thank you, Joe. Brian, formerly of Playlist Wars and now My Weekly Mixtape, says it's a one-two punch of Monkey Wrench going into Hey Johnny Park that he really enjoys. Our friend Chris over at Superfancast reckons, although it's overplayed, it's probably Everlong being the best song on the album. Jeremy Powers, who I enjoy chatting uh, like retro games and stuff with on Twitter, he says he loves a bit of Monkey Wrench. Pedestrian at Best podcast, um, either Matthew or Michael, I'm not sure who it was, wrote it, but it says, this album shows amazing range for its time. You get the Beatlesque See You and then a Screamfest in Enough Space. And Dave from uh, Beer in Front, the Chicago beer guy, says February stars and new way home. So after all of that, Jamie, what for you is the best track on the record? The number one best track for me is My Hero. I really enjoy that song, really like that song. And then behind that, it's Hey Johnny Park and probably Everlong. Well, I'm going to agree that I like stand out far and away my hero is the best song on the record by a long way i also like hey johnny park and i really really like up in arms i like the way it starts off slow and then it 
kicks into a proper Foo Fighters song. So was there anything that jumped out to you that you actually liked on the record, Leon? My hero. Excellent. I thought that um, it was a brilliant song from start to finish, from the yeah drums. Absolutely brilliant. And so, so good to hear a twin guitar post-verse tag. Yes. Just beautiful. We'll come into it a little bit on for another category, but like the way that just builds, it just starts with the drums and then the bass comes in with a bum, 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 ba dum. And then the first guitar mirrors that. And then the chunky guitar comes in and it's just like, yeah, yeah that's brilliant. Just the way it builds. Like I prance around the kitchen when it's on and I go to the kids like drums and the bass and now the guitar and now the other guitar and then the fill. And we're away. Is it like that is how a song yeah. works? Yeah, that is how an introduction to a song works for me. Yeah, I'm guessing it. You, you like that bit as well, do you, Jay? Yeah. <laughs> what about skippable tracks? Is there anything that you like to that you think? Oh, I probably had enough there, or is it a beginning to end record for you? I, I've I've said that the the opening track, Doll just kind of doesn't doesn't really set me up for the album oh i love it oh it's a real i really like the way it just like lulls you into this like that warm cuddle and then monkey wrench comes along and kicks you up the ass yeah i just no it just doesn't do it for me as an opening for the for the for the record and then i've kind of i've written down that because i was looking back on some of foo fighters records and they they seem to me to have quite a lot of album tracks that you would only really describe as album tracks and not so much that I probably wouldn't go as far as calling them filler record filler tracks, but album tracks definitely. And, and apart from two albums that come on later, but what have you got on this? You've got one, two, three, so you've got three, possibly four tracks that, that could have been over were singles and then the rest kind of album tracks, but doll in particular, yeah, it just doesn't set me up for the album. Right. So, Dave Grohl says that when he wrote it, he kind of had like a therapy session in mind. So you'd have like an ease into it and then all the, all the rage and the emotion would come out and then you'll settle back down a a little bit and then you'd go again. And, you know, and I, I kind of get that feeling, but for me, yeah, like I say, doll starts and it's kind of giving you this big hug. And then it's just like, at the start of monkey wrench, you're like, Whoa, what's this? Like, so it's, Yeah. What did you think was the worst thing on the record then, Leon? Here's a massive hot take for you. I thought, and I did, skip Hey Johnny Park. All right, okay. I just thought it was the most meandering, thoughtless piece of music I've heard in a very long time. That's controversial. I think it's great. I, I just thought it went nowhere. No, <laughs> no, not for you. Skip. Um, for me, it, for me, it's February stars, and I think after it, everything sort of rattles along, it just kind of the record just seems to get bogged down in it a little bit. It just kind of you could almost lose forty five seconds to a minute out of the song, and it might just tighten it up a bit, but it just feels like it's bogging down a bit there. Um, and the same a little bit, I suppose, with walking after you, it's a bit of a nothing song, even though it's on the X Files soundtrack. That was actually one of my favourite tracks. What, Walking After You? Yeah. Excellent. Because I think it was a a more sort of like, it had direction and was quite well written. I thought it had a good message, um, strong sort of melody. It was a choice between There Goes My Hero or Walking After You for me. 
Is there anything on there that you think, oh, I wish I'd written that? The twin guitars on there goes my hero. Jay? Anything jump out? You just think, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. My hero in particular. The intro. Yeah. 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 And I suppose Monkey Monkey Wrench is... Yeah. That bit in Monkey Wrench where he, it's almost like the middle eight, but he does it in one breath. The one last thing before I quit. Yeah. That's... that's... And yeah. see him do that live as well, then actually do it in one breath, and then that scream at the end of it. It was just, yeah. So I've told the story before. I saw him in at Reading in 98, and it was about half past three, four o'clock on the main stage, and I think that was probably the last time they played mid-afternoon at a festival. After that, they were headlining. Um, things I wish I'd written, obviously, the intro to My Heroes, we've all mentioned. I like the bit in uh, New Way Home where he starts off quietly and then builds and builds and builds the point where he's almost shouting you know i'm not scared i felt like this on my way home that bit and then he's getting louder and louder and that almost becomes like a foo fighter staple as we go forward like where they'll, they'll go quiet and then they'll just build and build and build until like the whole stadium is just absolutely bouncing how many tracks do you reckon to make a best of the foo fighters and we're quite lucky here if i find it we're quite lucky because we have got a Best of the Foo Fighters to compare it to. If you were making the Best of the Foo Fighters, how many of these would you put on there, do you reckon, Jay? I'd put four of them on. Really? Yeah, and that would be Monkey Wrench, Hey Johnny Park, My Hero, and Everlong. There's three on the on the official Best of, which was released in 2009. We've got Everlong, My Hero, and Monkey Wrench. But for me, I just really need this record and then the greatest hits. And that, that does me for the Foo Fighters. But this was the last Foo Fighters record that I bought. I don't think I even bought it, to be honest. I think someone copied it for me. I had this copied CD knocking around for ages. So other stuff on the best of is like um, Best of You, All My Life, The Pretender, which is a banging song. Breakout, Long Road to Ruin, uh, Learn to Fly, stuff like that. So give me that best of and the colour and the shape and I'm happy Foo Fighters wise. Yeah. But I like stuff like Wind Up and stuff like that on here as well. So it's, I think it because some of it's, it, it does feel like that bridge to me between like the stadium rock where they're going and then it's sort of punky grungy roots. Almost like he's just trying to hold on with one last thing definitely doesn't have a feel of that doesn't it and then whether that's because as they go forward as a band you know the albums become more collaborative rather than just a dave Grohl project i don't know but then they definitely like i said they they have they have a few albums in between where there's like a, a three um singles and then a lot of album tracks and they're quite big albums mm. aren't they they have like sort of 12 15 tracks on it or whatever up to yeah 15 odd but I made a note of like the albums Wasting Light and Sonic Highways. There's quite a lot of um tracks on there mm. that were released. Yeah. And, and that that they they're quite they're a little bit more full albums in terms of not so not so much album track and more stuff that was released. So but in between they kind of like I say, they have a bit of filler, let's say. Do we think this is the best record? Like album by the Foo Fighters, I'm saying yes. I think general consensus, yes. Leon, would you listen to other Foo Fighters records off the back of this? 
Not off the back of this. No. No. So it might be that like the more stadium rocky stuff that comes later might be more your cup of tea. That's that's what I was thinking. This this isn't me because I think it's it's still got one foot in the grunge, which you know I'm not about. What I did take away from it was there an awful lot of Beatles isms mm. in the way they write their music, certain chord changes, um, certain vocal points over chords sounded very Beatles-esque. This is very much a solo record, if you like, and like the band were just there for touring, and then the songs were basically put to them as full demos. Like I say, Grohl basically kicked his drummer out. Yeah. Decided his drummer wasn't good enough, and the other guys sort of played on it, but were told very much what to be playing. So mm. it's still very much a solo project. So yes, those Beatles influences are massive. Mm. So like on See You is very Beatles, isn't it? It's just an awful lot of it. It's like, oh, that's a Beatles chord change. That's a, a yeah. Beatles harmony. That's a Beatles melody line. It was an awful lot of it. But I think I would be more inclined to listen to songs by Foo Fighters off the back of songs like Learn to Fly. If There Goes My Hero was on another album, Yeah, that would draw me and think, oh, I'll have a listen to that because I like that song. Check out the best of the greatest hits. I think that's probably where I'm going to go. <laughs> and also, to be fair, to be fair to him, like he's got a great voice for a drummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not just for a drummer. He's got. He's one like now. I think he's one of the great rock singers. He might not have like the technicality of someone like your man Bruce Dickinson or the range or what have you. But in terms of like being a front man, I think. He, I think he's just brilliant. Maybe the fact that he's got both the guitar to hide around, but all the charisma as well. Mm. That helps. But yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and I think he's just a genuinely nice guy as well, which is always, always a bonus for, for anything really, but really, really loved his drumming on uh, Songs of Death. Yeah. Cause you like Queens of the Stone Age, don't you? I'm not that, not that fussed. They were, t- that was, that was top. And it's what I really liked about that performance, Dave Grohl's performance on that album, was I don't know whether he was asked to do drumming or if he was just available and they said, you want to come and play drums, blah, blah, blah. But he always walked into the studio, played drums, put down his drumsticks, and whilst walking away, just said, let's hear some fucker else play that. Yeah. And you can't fault the drum performance on it. The drumming is technically incredible drumming on an awful lot of that album by Queens of Stone Age. And going back to Foo Fighters' original drummer, can you imagine being the drummer that turns up to be in Dave Grohl's band? <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. You know, it's like, which kind of, and we'll come on to him um, before we finish, it kind of makes Taylor Hawkins all the more special that he can actually absolutely live with him. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to ask you, Leon. Jamie, would you put this in a list of your top records? I think it would fit there somewhere. Yeah. I don't quite know where. Like I say, I'd have to formulate that list and see. Like Maybe that's another episode for another day. Yeah. We all get to uh, formulate our list. Well, so me and Sam kind of made lists of, when we first started doing the podcast, we kind of made lists of what records we wanted to cover, what our favourite records were. And I didn't include this. Maybe it's because I thought, oh, it's one that Sam definitely knows and the original premise of the podcast was that we'll give each other stuff that we're not so familiar with. But 
it was definitely an oversight. This would be probably a top 25, probably a top 20 album for me. I think it's really, really special. And I think it's a real, it's definitely one of those, like, it's an embryonic record. You can see where Dave Grohl's been and you can see where he's going with it. And this might be a hot take, but who would have thought the best songwriter in Nirvana was the drummer? That's 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 very that's a massive hot take, isn't it? But I suppose the question would be, could Dave Grohl write territorial pissings? Yes. Could Kurt Cobain write Everlong? Probably, if he wanted to. Like, but, <laughs> but again, it's like again, it's uh, they've got the same influences, haven't they? So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one to judge. Anything else to say on the Foo Fighters, the colour and the shape, anybody? I like the sleeve. <laughs> you like the record sleeve? Yeah, yeah. it reminded me of an old Amiga game called Emotion. Oh, right, okay. And I just, as soon as I thought, saw it, obviously I've, I've never listened to it ever, I just saw the sleeve and thought, oh, it reminds me of Emotion. So none of it was familiar to you other than like the big singles? Uh, Everlong I knew, Monkey Wrench I knew, and There yeah. Goes My Hero I knew, all yeah. the rest of it was... Right, because I would have had that on quite a lot back when we were knocking about. Yeah, I probably wasn't tuned out. Yeah, yeah. Made made me listen to Mogwai or something. Yeah, I oh, know it was Tom listening to Mogwai. Yeah. Anyway, the thing is, coming down your race, it was like sitting there listening, and and you'd just be sat there going, "Oh fucking hell, he's listening to Ice T. Oh, body count. What body oh. count's in the house? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like I'll just sit here and. Uh... <laughs> It was, I'll just sit yeah. and play with myself. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, oh man, this is just dire. Uh, Thanks, just, mate. It wasn't, Love you. It wasn't my music. Let's just put it that way. You know, no, I know. It wasn't them. It was Deftones or someone else. Or yeah, uh, Nirvana featured heavily, and it just wasn't in my spec. No, no, at all. I actually think it's great that you know we have this uh, in you know we have this central point that brought us together, and then we branched off but that hasn't made any difference like so like we're still still best friends best friends never ever break friends exactly yeah yeah you know well as i was just about to say you know it wasn't necessarily listening to music down there with you it was more being down there with you you know but thanks mate there's been some uh, i've had some good times down there because i'm sat in a corner um there was always a guitar about and just sitting there noodling over top of the songs i don't even know and everybody just sat there going, you just played over the top of it. It's like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> just had a G major chord in. It's easy stuff. <laughs> right. If we're all done. Right. So that was the color and the shape. If you enjoyed that, please let us know on Instagram. We're at records and bands. And also get in touch if you want to have a rare bet anything we said. Um, if you can spare a fiver, please head over to the Patreon. That'll help me buy the kids' toothbrushes as all my money goes on music subscription services these days. Um, links to all of that is in the show notes. Just before we go, it's only right to mention and pay a small tribute to the late, very great Taylor Hawkins. Although he didn't play on this record, I do have vivid memories of watching Foo Fighters at Redden in 98 and they opened with Monkey Wrench. And in the short time it took us to get down the front, he'd become this like whirling dervish of arms and hair and sweat and drumsticks. And you just couldn't take your eyes off him at all. So so here's Taylor Hawkins 
a proper rock star. Tell me how good you are again.